They're Avengers, they're Avengers. He shoots laser beams and wears suspenders. She still grieves her brother. And now she's got a robot as a lover. They're Avengers, they're Avengers. She's a flying magic world Welcome to Pops Only Fans Entertainment Movie Review Podcast and TV Show Review Podcast today as we go through WandaVision, the first, it's not the first Marvel TV studios, no, it's not the first Marvel TV show, but it's certainly the first one that has any cinematic importance, I guess, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's not a cartoon and not a shitty X-Men show. I'm still Mike and I'm now questioning, it, I, I'm, I completely forgot about Daredevil then, sorry Darren. I mean, if you ask Kevin Feige... This is the first Marvel TV show. He doesn't know what you're talking about. Um, because they go out of their way to decanonize Hands of S.H.I.E.L.D., Runaway, basically everything else that came beforehand. This is like a big sweeping under the carpet. And I mean, if that yeah. just means Inhumans is finally, finally dead, cool. I can be done with that. Yeah, I'm glad that wasn't a film, so we have to keep reminding ourselves of it. We can we can just yeet all those shows. I mean, it means losing Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Ghost Rider, but we'll 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 find a way. Life finds a way. That's the wrong franchise. Way to get me back on side with an Ian Malcolm quote, though. Well done. Um, yeah, so this is their first high budget TV show. Let's put it that way. Starring oh, yeah. established people. I mean, Agent Shield has Phil Coulson. But, I mean, even Joss Whedon was like, no, no, Phil Coulson's dead. I don't know what this Elseworlds stuff is you're doing over here. But, yeah. Um, particularly, we, we are re-watching Game Shield at the moment. It directly conflicts with Division. So, yeah, I'm sorry if you really liked all seven seasons and that, but they didn't matter. Sorry. <laughs> what do you mean, Inhumans? It was never a thing. <laughs> Nothing is a magical place. Exactly. Like, uh, oh, that's that's a joke. Not many people are going to get. Jesus. I got it, Michael. It's okay. It's kind of like when they do this with like when they did Crash Bandicoot Four. That's what this is. This is just oh yeah. There's no other. No, no, no. It ended at Crash Three, and there there's this one, and nothing else happened in between. Which I guess is good. It's it's the opposite of the Fox approach, where no everything's in canon, even the stuff that contradicts the other stuff. So. Yeah, it, it, it's whichever way you like it, but I, I think I prefer this approach. Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> because this doesn't try to make the logical leap that the X-Men franchise did, which is somewhere between 1990 and 2001, James McAvoy became Patrick Stewart. Yeah, they have that, like, weird, no aging for a long time, and then instant aging maybe that's just part of the xg maybe they all have that as like a power they all have an enhanced strength and speed and decelerated aging up until about you hit 45 and then you age overnight <laughs> and then you become established shakespearean actors exactly uh, so one division uh... <laughs> this isn't an, isn't an indictment of the series by the way we just, i think we're in one of those moods today uh oh yeah we took not record- like half an hour to start this recording because the banter was just so off the scale 
Um, <laughs> it's beautiful. You won't even understand what Guantanamo chicken is, but trust me, it was funny. <laughs> it was just, it's like... <laughs> Okay, we need to start the episode because if if we go into Guantanamo Chicken again, oh boy, right? Okay, no one's going to get that joke. Wipe it from your memory, and, which funnily enough is something that will come into this series. Let's start by talking about the cast. Obviously, Wonder Vision. It's funny because the name is derived from Wonder and Vision, which is the characters. Anyway, Elizabeth Olsen back as Wanda Maximoff, and now actually properly being called the Scarlet Witch, which is not a spoiler, so to speak, but has been referred to as the Scarlet Witch in all of the press um, stuff by Kevin Feige because, hey, they bought Fox. Remember? Remember that, that time they bought Fox? They want you to know that they bought Fox. Um, and she's pretty good in this. I did have my doubts that she would be able to carry a series. We have seen some very good stuff from her, although in very limited quantity but i think it's been noted that her, her performance since age of ultron to now has definitely improved and has taken on far more nuances and it's definitely come to a head in this one mainly because i think the show benefits from being about grief and i think elizabeth olsen is very good at doing grief yeah she she really doesn't get the plaudits i think she deserves because it doesn't feel like because you know how some people complain about Thor Ragnarok that it doesn't feel like the same character that we've been seeing mm. from the previous movies. Uh, I don't see that here. I think this is a very natural like continuation of what she's been going through progressively since the end of Age of Ultron with the death of her brother and then everything else that happens over the course of the next two um, Avengers movies and Captain America Civil War as well. It's a really nice through line and I think she does a really good job because, I mean... Everyone in this cast does a great job because they are being thrown into so many different situations, like week to week. They have to change certain aspects of their characters to suit the sitcom era of the week, which is, you know, the the large narrative kind of um, shtick that's going on throughout most of this show. So to be able to do that, but still recognisably be Wanda Maximoff and still have that kind of depth of character where... Yeah, you know, on the surface, she's like playing up to these sitcom stereotypes of whatever era they're showing. But then there's also moments where you are brought back into reality of this is a deeply troubled, grieving woman, like who has basically had everyone she's ever loved ripped away from her, and not like gently or subtly, like in pretty horrific circumstances every time. And mm. the show is just like a kind of overall look at grieving and coping and all that stuff it's oh it's really well done and like she's a good actress she's not like and you can say this about a lot of marvel um actors like she's been in a lot of like indie films this isn't like some action star they plucked out or you know some kind of one note guy who would look good on the poster she's a serious actress unlike her twin sisters she is a serious actress <laughs> and has the chop to carry that so yeah i i, I wouldn't say i was surprised necessarily but i was i was pleasantly like you know satisfied that she did such a good job yeah it, it like i think you very much hit the nail on the head there that this feels like the correct through line this feels like a story not coming full circle so to speak in fact you could actually argue that the wonder story is very much a spiral she she's constantly in the cycles of grief because bad things consistently happen to her 
and that happens multiple times in this show. You're reminded of it, it's it's more dealt with in the later episodes of just just how bad it got. But you, you're reminded that that Elizabeth Olsen is just really good at, at kind of layering on all the different experiences that this character has gone through. Like you said, it's undeniably Wanda Maximoff. Mm. But you can see those influences, especially in the earlier episodes of, say, like Lucille Ball or Mary Tyler Moore. Um, all these different. What was the name of the woman from Bewitched? Uh, I can't remember. Samantha um, something. I, I don't know. The woman who played Samantha in Bewitched. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes through week to week, yet it's still wonder. Same can be said for Paul Bettany, although I, I do feel like he has had a, an easier time. Um because weirdly, I, I think Vision was very much the same character in Ultron to Civil War. It's really only Infinity War, which there was a change. Mm. And this initially is going back to at least a version of of the, the Vision that we know from Age of Ultron. The, the Vision that doesn't know what he is. Um so Paul Benton is very good at that. He's also very good at aping like Dick Van Dyke. Mm. I'm surprised at how, just how good he was in those early episodes at, at being like that very kind of bumbling comedic character, like the decent man who's just trying to get by, whilst at the same time kind of having those like fractures in his performance that that mm. suggest that there is there is pain in his very existence, which may or may not be a spoiler. No, I think it's, again, well handled in that it's kind of everything in the show, at least to begin with, very early on, because of the layers of, you know, what they're trying to do of aping these sitcoms, that decreases as the series goes on. And they do that narratively by showing like these little cracks. And it is usually Vision that the first one to kind of crack. So you, you see him start to question the world around him. Um, that's not too much of a spoiler, is it? I don't think so. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll put it a warning in. We're we're gonna talk. We're not gonna talk spoilers for like the last two episodes. We'll leave that until well after the spoiler warning. But there will be mild spoilers throughout for kind of which sitcoms they're doing and and stuff like that. So you're warned. Um, and him kind of cracking. Again, it's like kind of what um what Elizabeth Olsen is having doing. There's so many spinning plates here of you both trying to do an honest to goodness recreation of a sitcom era. You're trying to do still a superhero movie and you're trying to tell a very human story. Ironic for an android, but you're still trying to do that. <laughs> he does a really, really good job of both ends. I think he's really funny. I think he's the comedic highlight of the show. I wasn't expecting this show to be funny. And mm. it's not like the main takeaway from this series. I wouldn't describe it as a comedy. But Paul Bettany definitely has the best joke, particularly in the Modern Family episode. I think he's really good in that. Um, but yeah, he, he, it's another great performance. It's probably my favorite Paul Bettany performance ever. Like I really don't like him outside of any MCU stuff. <laughs> he bores me to oh, tears most times. But God, he's when he really turned up here. in Star Wars, when he turned up in Star oh, Wars, that I was for- not a fun time. I forgot about Drayden Voss. I actually don't mind Drayden Voss. He's fine. In, <laughs> he's fine in Solo. God, I'm such a Solo apologist without really realizing it. Um, yeah, he's fine because um, he's like clearly the most added in thing to that series because he only appears in one room. I think he does fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a one room wonder in that film, isn't he? <laughs> it really, really is. But yeah, I think again, great performance from him here. Um, 
I no Catherine Harm. Um, who, who lest lest we forget, is already a Marvel alum, as she was the voice of um, our, um Olivia Octavius in in Spider Verse. Oh, yes, she was. Yeah, yeah. I was I was really racking my brain for that first name, and I'm like, it's a woman's name that begins with O. It can't be that hard. I'm sure it's Olivia Octavius. That sounds a bit right. Yes, you're right. I had I completely forgot about that. Um, she. It is a it is Olivia because she's as she's tying back her hair as the as the tendrils come out in that scene. She says, "My friends call me Liv." There we go. Um, she she's cropped up in a lot of things. She's really good in Parks and Rec. Um, she I forgot in... she was in Parks and Rec. Yeah, she's brilliant. You know? She's like because the first time I ever saw her was in uh, Step Brothers, where she's Adam Scott's uh, like long suffering wife who has the hots for John C. Riley, and she's really meek and not, obviously Adam Scott in that is like, you know, a horrible over-the-top brother of um, Will Ferrell. Parks and Rec kind of flips that entirely on their head, where Adam Scott is the kind of meek one, and she comes in as like this Washington, D.C. powerhouse. She's awesome in that series, uh, with Paul mm. Rudd, um, who she's like helping to try and get re-elected. So, who knew there was so, many, so much Marvel in uh, Parks and Rec? Yay. Um, huh. Yeah, because Star-Lord's in it. Um, oh yeah there's lots we just need to get Nick Offerman in somehow and <laughs> we're all good uh, anyway I was like is she is she really what they're looking for I, again this is a very like narratively different thing from anything else they've ever done so it, she kind of worked on that she's worked on sitcoms before so you can see why they might tap her up but I was still had a little bit of my doubts because the most recent thing I've seen her in is uh, Bad Moms and I don't really like her in that as much as I've liked her elsewhere. She does really good in this. She's eating the scenery in basically every sitcom episode she's in. She's great. And again, has some really good one-liners as well. Yeah, and uh, of course, is the only person in the cast to have uh, reached number one in the iTunes charts. Although no. in that, that might be a spoiler. It didn't, did it? It did. Damn, okay. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> she's a meme machine now. Like, um, oh, Agnes yeah, just kind of over the top. She's, she's, everyone's coming out of this raving about her for good reason. Like, again, in terms of embodying, you know, whatever sitcom era this, she's in, she does really, really good. Like, I, quite, I find her quite hot as well, just FYI. <laughs> I don't know what it is. She just does, she's, she's doing something for me in this series. Just to get into Pig Corner for a second, I'll, I'll get out. Yeah, here, but yeah, not that, um, not that Darren has a type, although Darren has a type. Mm. <laughs> that type is apparently a forty-seven-year-old who's mainly done sitcoms. But there we go. <laughs> Don't know what it is. She's just doing it for me in this. Um, yeah, she's she's great. Like I can see. Just think, if you're not buying into what they're selling here of like the the, the sitcom thing, I could see how. Lots of it could grate on you, particularly Catherine Hahn being so over the top with what she's doing. I could see how there would be detractors from this series of kind of like, especially if you're just used to, I mean, it's not like the MCU is really like one note. There's lots of different genres in there already. This is definitely the biggest outlier they've done, I'd say. So yeah. I could see if you're coming into it expecting that and you get something completely different for, you know, 80% of the run. I could see how she would great, but I personally really, really liked her. Yeah, I, I thought she was fantastic. I thought she was really good. I think she she embodies the show far more than I think she, anybody thought she would. 
and is one of the reasons why I think it works as well as it does and that the format and the way that they've decided to make this, which we'll get into a little bit after we finish talking about the cast, because this is the first time I feel like this specifically only works as a television show compared to what it seems like we're getting with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which appears to just be a long film split up into episodes. This very much is made for television, mm. but we'll get into that a little bit later on. The surprise of the show, because I was very dubious about this, uh, was Tayana Paris as uh, all grown up Monica Rambeau. Mm. Um, because mainly because to me, Tayana Paris was a bit of an unknown entity. I'm pretty sure she's been in other stuff before this. Um, apparently she had a recurring role in Mad Men. I didn't even know she was in Mad Men. Um, but she's most known for Dear White People. Uh, and she was also in If Bill Street Could Talk. I don't remember from that film and I have seen that. That's interesting. Um, so yeah, bit of an unknown quantity for me. And then smashed it out of the park. They, they made a great grown up version of Monica Rambo and straight away they gave her layers of that character in the first 10 minutes of her being on screen they have done a bang-up job in making the mcu's version of this character and i'm very excited to see where it's going where do i sign to make her the replacement for captain marvel <laughs> yep because please i'd sign that now she was really good so like like i, I feel like we, we shit on captain marvel quite a bit but every complaint i have about um Oh, what's her name? Oh, God. Brie Larson. Brie Larson's performance in that. Because I know Brie Larson can be good. I've liked her in other things. But it's just so, like, you can't connect with that character in any way, shape, or form in that film. Which is completely opposite for what I can say of Tiana Paris here. Because she makes Monica Rambeau so relatable and just so easy to root for that... Mm it's everything that Brie Larson was missing. Like, it's almost like a character study of, oh, that's what I was doing wrong. Okay, I'll change it up for the next one. Uh, which I think, <laughs> like, Monica Rambeau's definitely going to have to be in Captain Marvel 2 at this point. I think she might even been announced for it anyway. I think she has been announced for it. Let me just double check. And she has. She's been announced for Captain Marvel 2. Uh, apparently released in 2022, but I will leave that when I see it. Yeah, exactly. She does a really fantastic job. She's the first one you have an episode, like, outside of the fiction of the show. She's the first one to have an out-of-kayfabe episode. And it's really well done. Like, it, it, it is a little bit of an exposition dump because they quite nicely treat, like, you know, they, they don't give you any hints. They give you a few small hints that something's up in the first three episodes of WandaVision, but they don't really, you know, overtly say anything. Her episode is kind of explaining what's happened and how we've got to this situation of wonder and a re resurrected vision living in a sitcom reality. But it's great. It's, she's has so many good scenes in that one episode that make her like instantly one of the more interesting characters going forward in the MCU, I think. She, she's got a lot of wiggle room. Not just because she's got some interesting quirks that we'll talk about after the spoilers, but also because, like I said, she's just so likeable it's got it's kind of effortless how much you kind of feel like she's been here forever even though this is the first time we've seen her she kind of embodies everything that is good about marvel heroes because she is somebody who is very much a good person at the core but certainly has their issues and what i really enjoy is that you, there is like there is a scene in i think the fourth episode where a a certain well 
this is going to be a minor spoiler because I have to say it out loud. Because Captain Marvel's name is she's mentioned by name by the title of Captain Marvel, and there is a noticeable reaction in Teona Paris's performance that just kind of tells you everything you need to know as what's happened between you know the 1990s of Captain Marvel and oh god what year is it in the Marvel Universe at the minute like is it 2024 or something like that I think yeah 2023 24 um and you kind of understand the entire history of this character and there is still room to explore it further and there is still room to use that as a springboard going forward as we go into phase four this makes me very excited that we've already got potential for better stories better heroes and better connectivity because i think the rumor now is that she's going to be reappearing in another disney plus show i will tell you which one that is when we go into spoilers but there is there is thoughts that 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 captain marvel 2 is not her only appearance in this phase that makes me very excited lovely see someone i had a bit not negative feelings towards but much less of a kind of heaps of praise than I have for Tiana Paris is uh, Joss Stamberg playing director Tyler Tyler Hayward. Um, So they set up early on um, as well as shield, there's also sword. I can do this. Sentient weapon observation and research division? You are very close. It's it's response division in in this version. Um, They are like... It, exactly what it says. They are the Ron Seal of teams. Um, they are just looking for better and bigger weapons to um, to use. It was previously headed up by um, Monica Rambeau's mom from Captain America. Um, oh my God, I can't remember her name. Uh, Maria Rambeau. Maria Rambeau. There we go. Um, but she, um, you know, that's a spoiler. Um, she's no longer the head of Sword, uh, and this guy is um, Tyler Hayward. Uh, he. He, this is a minor spoiler, but he just has that. You, the second you see him, you're like, I know exactly where this character's going. There's very little in the way of <laughs> nuance or swerve. He's just second I clocked eyes and was like, I know exactly what you're going to turn out to be, and I was right. And he he very much feels like he's a plot device more so than a character. He's there to grind the wheels forward on the outside of the hex to to keep that side moving he's Mm. like easily his stuff is like the least interesting thing about this show yeah we we've had we've had characters getting uh vaded and emperored uh this character got jude lord in the all the interesting things about him were, were explained in the first episode and then he just becomes evil white guy and that works for this show, to be honest, because he's the the least important and least interesting character in the entire thing, even below Cat Dennings, which is saying something. Yeah, I feel like he's so generic. I'm like, I can't exactly rule out that this hasn't turned up. This like actor hasn't turned up in Shield as a generic white guy, bad guy, because there's a lot. In Agents of Shield, every other <laughs> week they introduce some generic white dude who's like, I'm, I'm evil, but I'm from the government, so watch out. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what that... has he actually been in? Let's have a look. I'm just looking at his uh, filmography. Oh God, he's he's a lot. He's a very much a walk on guy. He's I don't right. think he's been. A... Oh, he was the main. He played a main role in something called Drop Dead Diva, which was apparently a legal comedy drama fantasy TV show. 
The add on lifetime, Jesus. Okay. Like, I don't think he does a bad job. I think he does fine with what he's given. But you feel like there was opportunities to do something more interesting with him. And a few red herrings they give him. And none of them pay off. He's as straightforward white bread as you like. And, you know, someone has to do that. There's a lot of quirky things going on. Maybe a little bit of a grounding of a more straightforward character like this is fine. He get he does the job he needs to do, but he doesn't really leave a lasting impression. Mm, it really doesn't. Somebody whose impression has improved, though, is um, Randall Park as Agent Jimmy Woo. Um, because he was very much, I mean, yeah, you know him as the parole officer of Ant-Man, which is a great sentence. Um, and he's actually had one of the biggest turnarounds. He's become a much more empathetic character. He's not just, uh, like a, a standing for jokes. People want this guy to have his own series. <laughs> like they literally, apparently they are considering doing basically X-Files, but it's Jimmy Woo going around and finding out about mutants. Which I would love. I think that's a great concept. I'd watch the shit out of that. That sounds good. Like I think like the 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 Jimmy Woo character in the comic books kind of has that job. He's basically part of Marvel FBI that isn't Shield. So I could be down for that. Yeah, you're right. He he's not like completely one note in in Ant Man and the Wasp. He but he is largely there to be comic relief in a film already full of comedic actors. He still stood out pretty well in that film, given he, you know, some of the comedic talents he was up against. He still did well, but you're right. They they find they add a little bit to the stew of this character in this in this series. Not not a lot. He doesn't change fundamentally, I think, but he comes across a lot more human in this in this um, series. And you're right. I, I wouldn't actually mind seeing him go forward. You know what? If they want to use him like they did with. Um, Oh no, what's her name? In turns up in all the Netflix series. <laughs> it's your friend and mine. It's uh Oh no, I forgot her name as well. Oh, God. oh no. Oh no. Her she vagina just... was was the the, <laughs> the, the key to, to all of it. I'm trying to think what her goddamn name is. Rosario Dawson, there we there go. There we go. Have him be the Rosario Dawson of the Disney Plus series. Like I could see him showing up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and slotting into that pretty well. Um all the upcoming ones like Secret Invasion, um, uh, Moon Knight, She-Hulk. I could see him turning up all those and I wouldn't be upset about it. Please don't take that as a, an idea that I want both him and Kat Dennings to turn up in different things because I don't want Kat Dennings turning up in basically anything, really. No. Um, she's better here. But she's better, but not good. You cleared a low bar. Well done. She's still undeniably Kat Dennings and that's the problem that Kat Dennings I don't think will ever really get over is being herself so yeah i don't i don't she was fine here she was she was a lot better than i thought she was going to be i thought she she could tank the whole thing but uh yeah she she's just she's 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 bearable i think that's as good as i can say if we can go into pink corner for a second is that okay i've already been to pink corner so feel free fair enough i I just want to say cat is a stunningly beautiful woman she's very lovely to look at but they do everything they can to make Darcy just the most awful thing in this series. Like, it's not a thing that they gave us some depth to her character, which was appreciated. There is a little bit more selflessness to her. There is a bit more of an aim for who this character is supposed to be. 
but they still run with the whole she's she's narcissistic she doesn't like following rules she's a bit of a slob and all this like oh this character has had little to no progression where jimmy woo the last time we saw him compared to now feels a lot better even to the point where they felt the need to have jimmy woo's first scene be him doing a card trick and i was like i appreciate this level of just they planted that little seed in mm. Ant- ant-man and it's it's here now and now he's and now he's obsessed with magic i think that's that's really well done and it's not something it's what makes me worried for Thor, Love and Thunder, but this Darcy Lewis is the same Darcy Lewis we saw in 2011, and that's slightly worrying. If, but basically, Kat Dennings is like she's like Danny Dyer. If you put Danny Dyer in something, you expect him to be Danny Dyer. It's like this, she doesn't. She's the opposite of like a chameleon actor, in that she basically plays the same character in every single thing she's in, like sarcastic, kind of independent woman type person. It's it's. Ah, I, 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 I'm not down with it. I really don't. I, I, she, like I said, this is her best performance in the MCU, but that's not saying a lot. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know if she's been confirmed for Thor: Love and Thunder. I think she said like in an interview, she was like, "Whenever Marvel call me to do something, I will say yes," which kind of implies to me that they haven't yet asked her to be in Thor because Thor is uh, filming now. I think. It is. Um, it is not in her filmography. Bear in mind. Oh, this doesn't include future projects. That's interesting. Her filmography on Wikipedia does not include anything post One Division. Whereas with Tayana Paris, we know what she's doing for the next three years, which is interesting. Cool. So good. I mean, Natalie Portman's still coming back from that. I mean, you like Natalie Portman, but not in Thor films. Um. So. <laughs> oh yeah, Natalie Portman. In real life, like when 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 is the Natalie Portman who agrees to do two collaborations with uh, the Lonely Island? I fucking yeah. love her. It's just Jane Foster I have a problem with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Taika Waititi can fix a lot of things, so he can. We'll see. I mean, he made um, what's a face from Pitch Perfect good in um, Jojo Rabbit. So oh yeah, I forgot that and... he managed to managed to fix that. Yeah. So you never know. Um, Right, that's kind of all the key people. There's a lot of people inside the the sitcom reality that crop up time and again, but they're kind of set dressing. They all do a decent enough job, but um, the only one I want to point out um, who really does kind of destroy Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being a canon program is, let me find his name. Uh, One second. It's um, Asif Ali. He plays Norm, who kind of works at the generic computer company that Vision works at. Mm. Uh, he's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He turns oh. up in, like, the start of, like, one of the episodes in Season 2, I think. Like, we were watching, I was like, I'm sure that guy's in WandaVision. Uh, and it turns out he is. So, <laughs> wow. there you go. That's, uh, that's that. He does kind of work at a computer company, so unless it's the same guy and he's playing the same character, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think that's everyone we can talk about without spoilers. Yeah, I think it is. There's one is. more we really want to talk about, but we're going to have to get past spoilers to do that. We are. So do you want to talk about the structure of the show a little bit? Yeah. Um, so um, obviously from all the trailers we saw, the, 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 the kind of quirk here is that Wanda has created a reality where sitcoms are kind of all-encompassing. So we see her, right, I can do this, 60s, doing um the isle of lucy stuff 
the 70s. You missed one out. The first one is 50s. Oh, sorry. 50s doing the... Um, 50s is 50s is I Love Lucy. The 60s right. one is... Oh, God. Bewitched. Bewitched, right. 70s was... No, Full House, Full House is... Full House is 80s, isn't it? Yeah, Full House is the 80s one. So the 70s one was... Happy Days? Kind of, yeah. It's a little bit Happy Days. It's not massively Happy Days, but... Well, see, they, they don't necessarily land on, like, one show. It's weirdly, it's more... It's it, for, for those of you who do know British sitcom, it's more Love Thy Neighbour than anything else, which is yeah. a bit weird. They're all kind of a blend, but yeah, so Full House is the 80s, then it's the um, uh, the Rosie O'Donnell show um, in the 90s. No, that's the Malcolm in the Middle one, isn't it? Oh, yeah, you're right. Malcolm in the Middle is the 90s, and then Modern Family is the 2000s one. Mm. I th- yeah, there's eight episodes, isn't there? No, yeah, there's nine episodes. There's nine, but eight and nine take yeah. place in uh, the Modern the Family Monica, one. There's a Monica Rambeau one, so okay, cool. So that's everything. Um, and yeah, they, they they really embody everything about that decade's worth of sitcoms from screen ratios. Um, the first two being in black and white, um, you know, the taking like costume cues, character cues. So being very, very over top in the 50s and 60s ones and then kind of decreasing that changing the camera style the um so the modern family one in particular is completely different from all the other ones because of the um the in-character interview style of like modern family the office uh, parks and rec and stuff like that um the malcolm in the middle one from the 90s the kids are talking directly to the camera but no one else is it's yeah really... and moreover the, the, the kids i mean that's a spoiler but the, the kids ah! are very much the main characters in that episode Uh-oh. as well I got about that. Yeah. Um, it is, I mean, well done. Like that is not an easy thing to do. I imagine to have to basically storyboard out and set design for what's that? Uh, six? Yeah, six different eras of TV. Like when you get to the Modern Family one, that's not too bad. That's basically just now. But to have everything feel so authentic to that, that is unbelievably good production design. It's oddly theatrical the way that the in the earlier in the first half of the series where the way that the um, aspect ratio changes, it it feels like curtains being drawn back. It is so well executed. I am surprised that this hasn't been done like this before. We've certainly had like sitcoms and other TV shows ape other decades but i don't think to the extent where it feels like they are actually using outside of inside number nine who have done that very well uh, of using all the production tropes of the era inside number nine goes the other the next step and uses like shitty old cameras from the 70s to do a 70s based show which is not what this show does because it's got disney money and it doesn't need to do that um, so yeah but it does it so well it's so well done even to the point of like in the earlier episodes, the quality of the image is noticeably not as good when it goes outside of Wanda's new reality. And when you go back in, there there is actually a lack of detail sometimes. And it's because the cameras wouldn't be able to pick it up and they've built that into the set design. That's that's really well executed. Yeah, from a technical point of view, this is a 
really, really well done. I mean, we know Marvel movies have had spectacular, but they've been spectacular in different ways. They haven't had to like kind of laser focus it like this because they're usually doing like you know, massive battle scenes and stuff like that. They haven't had to like really pay close attention to detail. Like I, I in all the breakdown videos I've seen, I've like going into like now this specifically refers to this thing in this sitcom. That's a lot of research. A lot of people work very hard to make it feel authentic on like a surface level, but there's also depth there for people who really know their stuff. That's really, really commended. And it does kind of aid the storytelling as well. Um, in the back in like the fifties, the first episode, I don't think anything like weird happens. Like obviously there's weird stuff because Wanda and Vision have powers, but nothing really untowards happens. It's only really in that second episode. They were released back to back, so it is a little hard in my mind to kind of split the two. That's when the first like incursion happens where um we see a, a man get over a manhole covering like a beehive suit and then all of a sudden the show just rewinds and everyone in the show then kind of reacts like nothing's happened mm. and then that there's, slowly starts to creep in yeah there's a little bit of a break in the first episode and it's when one of the characters is asking for information like where wanders from or where visions from mm. And then I think one of the characters chokes. Um, yes, you're right. And then there is like a use of a power. And then and then the mood immediately snaps back to be in that 50s sitcom where everybody talks in a really fast, high-pitched voice. And it's uh, it's really well done. It's really well handled. I must say, I think the creepiest one happens in in the third episode where we've, we see that presumably what we assume to be Wanda's ability to just... Not even rewind and say, no, this is happening. She just literally deletes what's happened. Like, mm. there is a definite cut, and it feels like a physical cut in film, where Wanda's just gone, that didn't happen. No one saw that. We're not going to talk about it. And it's genuinely a bit chilling. They they go out of their way in the first part of the series before there is those greater uh, reveals about what what this reality is that we have to play a bit more like you say in kayfabe and it works so well almost as a horror in in the beginning and then when like you say you get the the explanations later on you understand a bit more about the construction of the reality and those reveals are very well handled mm. i think there are things that that perhaps people may feel disappointed about and I think that has a lot to do with how we have been taught to react to Marvel movies and the way in which we we digest them as well. Because a Marvel movie is, I think this is going to happen. You watch it. Oh, OK, that didn't happen or that did happen. Or I was surprised by this because this was very much developed with television in mind and released. Apart from the first two episodes, which were both released on January 15th, this has been released week to week. And it only it only finished two days ago. By the time this episode goes out, it will only finish two days ago. Um, I think people may have had their expectations raised a little bit, and I think that may be detracting from just how well executed this series is. Yeah, and I mean, again, we're partly to blame for that. And I mean, the kind of YouTube culture of we have to pick apart everything and theorise about everything, and what does this mean, the deeper readings of everything, kind of plays into that. But you're right, I think standing on its own merits, the show does a really good job of kind of dragging out that mystery because like it's 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 clear that Wanda's having 
something to do with the world. But you're never really 100% sure that it's all her doing. She's not being manipulated in some way. There's not ulterior motives going on. Um, and so on. Even when you have that kind of exploratory episode with Monica Rambeau, when we see her side of the story from the outside looking in, it's never really explicitly stated what's happening. It's kind of theorised, well, you know, it's red. Wanda Max Voff's uh, magic is red. Vision's walking around, but he's definitely dead. Um, that we, you know, that, that kind of adds into that mystery of like, well, we're not 100% sure. And they don't really reveal their hand until episode seven, I'd say. And they still leave room for a few more mysteries to kind of come into play in the later episodes as well. But yeah, it does a really nice job of pacing it through. You never feel like you're being, you're not having something new added every episode. It really does a good job of kind of throwing another spanner into the works of other theories you might have had of what's happening and keeping you guessing, keeping you surprised, surprisingly well paced. So again, I know it's their first kind of foray into tv shows and they're used to kind of having everything neatly wrapped up in two hours but if this is their first example of kind of changing that pace up for tv did pretty well it did i think what's interesting is to look at the critical reception by episode and there is three very prominent drops in approval so if we look at episodes i'm just looking on the um it's on Rotten Tomatoes for it. Uh, it scored 100% for its first two episodes. So the core concept really grabbed people. For some reason, there is a dip on episode three where it dropped to 86%, a dip on episode seven where it dropped to 84 and a dip for the finale where it, it went straight back down to 80 mm. I think this is the points where people realize that they, the groundbreaking throwing everything at the wall and all theories are correct. These three points are the ones where it kind of felt like, oh no, we're, we're not getting this, that, the other. Because there's, there's, there was a lot of theories floating around for this. Um, and, and those three points, episode three, seven and nine, was when it turned out that we're not getting a vast majority of what people think phase four is going to be. I think also, weirdly, we talk about the impact that COVID-19 has had on a lot of things. And I feel like that's going to be a bit of a theme for our reviews in 2021. Um, but this was supposed to come out relatively close to the release of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And we've been told that this is a direct lead into that. It forms part of a mini trilogy with this and Spider-Man um, No Way Home. So <laughs> expectations were high. I think you have to very much see this as an Iron Man one of the situation because this is very much the first time that Marvel Studios, and I say Marvel Studios specifically because Inhumans, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, all of this. It's not the first attempt at doing Marvel on the small screen. It's the first attempt at doing it with the budget of an MCU movie, but with the vision of a small screen. Vision? Oh. Ah! Um, <laughs> wonderful. Um, right, I think that's everything I wanted to touch on um, before a spoiler warning. Is there anything else you would like to mention? I just want to say that this um, two well two things actually. One, they implement commercials in this, and they are so fucking good. They are they are genuinely one of the highlights of the entire thing. And moreover, as it went on, um, my wife got annoyed. She was like, "I can't believe they're putting commercial on this. Aren't we paying for Disney Plus?" I'm like, "Bab, they're <laughs> they're part of the show." <laughs> like that's how good they were they were very well done um 
And the other thing I want to say is that if anybody needs a playbook on how to write interesting, deep and engaging female characters, watch WandaVision because mm. you've very much got but across the board, but primarily from Elizabeth Olsen, Catherine Hahn and Tayana Paris. You've got three very different women being put into situations where they are very much the focus of the show. And it is not because of their sex. It is because of who they are. It is because of what they are capable of. It's because of their relationships with the characters. It's because of their expectations for the future. This is how you do it. There are shows being developed out there and there are certainly shows that have already aired where, and I say this as a cripplingly white, cripplingly straight and cripplingly male human being that have very much focused on the female rather than the character. And this is not one of those shows. I have just done a quick Google to see if it passes the Bechdel test. I think it does. I mean, that doesn't really tell us anything, but, eh. Eh. but you know, there are very, very many situations where we've got two more to, you know, to do the Bechdel thing. We've got two female characters talking to each other and not once does a man need to be mentioned. That's because, for starters, the main character is Wanda. She's mm. the first part of that title, and she's very much the, the primary focus of this series. But moreover, the, the introduction of Monica Rambeau is not to aid any other character. It is her story. The reveals that we do with the Agnes character, it is not to aid anything else. It is to say this character also exists in that universe because they've written interesting characters first. And well, well, they've adapted interesting characters first. At the end of the day, Monica Rambeau and Scarlet, which are some of the best characters in the books, it would be stupid to not use them. But the way that they've done them for this format and for this medium is absolutely stellar. If you can't tell, we're pretty happy with WandaVision and would implore you to watch more. <laughs> Look, we've had a year not talking about <laughs> Marvel shows. We need this, people. <laughs> I don't know how bad it would. I mean, I don't feel like if we'd been this star of a Marvel stuff and then we got Iron Fist, that that would change my opinion on that particular show. But who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, you're right there. You're right there. Right. Go on. You're doing it. You're doing it. I'm doing it. Spoiler alert. OK, Ooh. can we talk about Evan Peters, please? Right. Did you, did you have the same reaction I did? Uh, what was Which your could... reaction? Well, succinctly, when he turned up, of just going, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, what's <laughs> yeah. happening, what's happening, what's happening? Um, you know, like that, those, um, the footage of, like, people training to be astronauts when they're putting, like, the whirly gig thing. Yes. And, like, yes, their yes. entire face just comes back. That was me on the sofa when that happened. So, again, hopefully you've watched this show, and we're not spoiling anything for you, but if for some mad reason you want to... Listen, you probably had it spoiled for you. I unfortunately, I I kind of had it spoiled for me. Mm. Like uh, I I had hints basically. But anyway, if you don't know, there is a bit when uh, Wonder and Vision are having an argument. It's a really really great scene. Um, it starts when the credits start to roll. Wonder basically tries to end the episode and has the credits roll. Up oh, the that scene is so good. Mm-hmm. Like I was wary of it because right they've started doing this in wrestling. Where when a big like shock thing is about to happen, there's a little copyright logo that comes on the end of like shows or pay per views or whatever that pops up in the bottom right screen. That's usually like the we are three seconds away from this show ending. They've started to use it as a storytelling device. They use it very rarely, but occasionally that will pop up and you think everything's safe. 
and then all of a sudden someone gets attacked and it's like a big betrayal and it's mm, beautiful. <laughs> so they try to do that here with the credits, but like Vision just keeps on like Vision. This is the first episode where Vision gets like angry that he doesn't have any memories prior to the start of this show happening. He can't remember being an Avenger. He doesn't know who the Avengers are. He just remembers Wanda and he loves her and he kind of accepts the reality though he is starting to question it mm. as the show goes on. Yeah. So he's ranting and raving at Wanda and then someone knocks the door and Vision's about to go off on one and she's like, I didn't do that, that's not me. Kind of the first admission that Wanda is having something to do with the world around her. She goes to answer the door and we see it from the back to begin with and just see the silver hair. Mm. And... Very much silver hair in streaks with ah. black underneath and you go, okay, have they brought back Aaron Taylor Johnson? Exactly. And I switch it to the, so switch it the other way around. And it's Evan Peters, the Quicksilver from X-Men, if you don't know why we're so excited just to see um, Eric Peters. And, yeah, it, it's... She... He goes, sis, hi, sis, and he starts doing, like, smart alec remarks and, and all that, who's the popsicle, etc. Mm. And we are then, in the next episode, it is, like, Wonder kind of accepts that that's her brother, despite the fact he doesn't look like anything like her brother well you get you get that line don't you from darcy who has been watching the show the kayfabe in show wandavision because Mm. one wandavision is the title of wonders in like we haven't even talked about that the reality is encased in something called the hex which is basically a, a, a like a geometric tv static dimension which turns Mm. everything into a sitcom because of the reasons um <laughs> and inside of of that show that continues to evolve um darcy has become interested in watching it obviously she amongst everybody else is aware of who quicksilver is is aware of who pietro maximov is um and when she says pietro she says she recast pietro mm-hmm. so very much saying everybody in the mcu knows that Pietro Maximoff died on Soko- on when Sokovia was a floating island and has been remembered as such. So everybody outside knows that ain't that is not her brother. And yet we are being introduced to air quotes Pietro Maximov. Now, I'll, I have many emotions about this and many thoughts and opinions. Mm. So in story, it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it's own. It's predicated on us as you know, watchers of the show, and I don't mean like at the same level that Darcy is a viewer of the show. Us at home, getting excited because the Quicksilver from the X Men shows has just turned up in the MCU. It's kind of you need that information to to have it make any sense whatsoever that yeah. Wonder is accepting of the reality. So that's again that works for me and you. Because straight white men who like X Men films, um, so that. <laughs> but I mean, if you're someone who's just getting into Marvel, I'm actually talking to someone I know who is watching it for the first time, and she's like saying, "Okay, what movie do I need to watch next?" and so on and so forth. And she's doing that because she wants to watch WandaVision. I'm pretty sure she's not seen the X Men movies, so that's going to be really confusing to her. Mm. So it's kind of predicated on that, but it's in the end, it's a red herring. It's not the Quicksilver from the X-Men movies, nor is it like kind of explaining like an Elseworlds type of thing that um, 
Agnes knows that and has kind of played their minds in that way and stuff. He's just a dude who looks like Eric Peters. Yeah, Evan Peters. Um, Evan Peters, sorry. Yeah, it's for everybody who thought that that was the multiverse finally confirmed and working as part of this this universe, because we had that fake out once already in Far From Home, because Mysterio is from another universe and the elementals have followed. And no, it's a he literally hired a comic book writer to write Quentin Beck's backstory because he was angry at Tony Stark. Um, and once again here, oh, is this has we can talk about it now, has um, Agatha Harkness brought up, literally plucked that version of Quicksilver from it? No, it his one name's Ralph Boner. They literally did all this for mm. a dick joke. And he's just some dude. It's just stunt casting, which is fine. But I think, like, it's Marvel kind of trolling us level of fans of, like, yeah. oh, they'll love this. Like, we have no intention of bringing any of that Fox business through because that is not good business sense. <laughs> they torpedoed bringing any returning X-Man back so fucking hard in this really show. really did. And I have to appreciate that. Although it is weird that during the run of this show they did say that Deadpool 3 is coming and will be part of the MCU. So... I, yeah, yeah, I think that's mainly got something to do with the fact that Deadpool doesn't work without acknowledging it, though. Yeah, and he also makes money and yeah. has been critically good. Um, so, <laughs> that. Um, but still, it, it's I, I go back and forth on it. Like it was a fun bit of stunt casting. I it gave me a big emotional response, although it ultimately didn't lead to why I was excited in that moment. It kind of didn't lead anywhere, and I do feel that it, it's kind of going to be lost on some people. Why everyone like because like right, Rachel's seen the X Men movie, but she didn't initially clock on whilst I was going oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck. Um, so. I feel like there's a sliding scale of expectations subverted. And on one end, there's Spec Ops the Lion. And on the other end, there's Star Wars The Last Jedi. And this feels like pretty much like bang in the middle. Yeah, I'll give you that. Like, But this thing, so I think then Marvel can't then get angry like, oh, all these people are, you know, a bit down on the finale because all the stuff they theorized didn't happen when they themselves chucked a red herring theory in there. So they kind of did. They invited this onto themselves, in a, in a, in some ways. They did, and they know that people are excited to have mutants in the MCU, and there's felt like multiple opportunities to introduce the concept of mutants. And here, once again, it wasn't done. I'm, I, I'm worried how often, how long they can put this off for. Frankly, I must say there was. Do you know that meme of someone dragging like a trash bag out to the out to the bins and then just throwing it in there and discarding it and walking away. Yeah. Someone had done that and on the bag was written Mephisto, Doctor Strange, <laughs> Mutants, and <just> Disney. <laughs> in that goes goodbye. Because, um, like, New Rockstars did another great job of breaking down this series, but even he on the, the preview, when they broke down episode uh, eight, there was like, right, I'm going down with the ship. I still think Mephisto is behind this. Nope. It was Agatha. All along. Oh, we're going to be hearing that in memes for years. Yeah. Um, that's already a TikTok sensation, I guarantee. Um, I I love, right, kudos to Paul Bettany for the fucking elite level troll <laughs> he did. Yeah. Oh, this was perfect. Like, this was like, 
and the thing is, if you watch any of the interviews, and we do because of exactly who we are, yeah. with like any of these, I mean, because we follow people from film to film and watch all the promotional stuff. We're interested in that. But if you'd heard nothing else, you'd heard that Paul Bettany was very excited to be working with a specific talent that he had great admiration for. <laughs> oh, it's fucking... so I even I have 15 minutes of my life I'll never get back because they made a video of like right here's all this criteria that you mentioned in this interview of like he's always wanted to work with them um, you know they're a massive like Luke Skywalker level cameo which is something that um, Elizabeth Holpen said I think that means that was meant to be Evan Peters uh, but... well it's interesting that everybody thought it was going to be this you know the answer to Luke yeah. Skywalker at the end of the Mandalorian 2 but what the interviewer actually asked her was is there somebody who hasn't been announced for the cast that we are going to see reviewed and she just very went quickly went yes and i'm very excited so i think she was referring to evan peters because yeah why wouldn't you be excited about that that's going to get a huge pop from the audience and it did but so they went through all this criteria and they basically said right it's probably benedict cumberbatch because although you know he's been in they've been marvel movies together they've never shared a scene together so everyone was like, okay, it's going to be him or Evan Peters is going to be revealed to be Mephisto or anything like that. And it turns out the actor that he really wanted to work with, Paul Bettany, was Paul Bettany, um, which is <laughs> just like, I can't even be annoyed. Like that is just expert level trolling and well done him. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Like, especially because when it, you have that, that scene where it reveals white vision, which is a weird way to talk about it, especially because like the in-universe explanation is that the vision that looks like the vision we already know is called vision, and the white vision, the one that's very much just a robot, is called the vision. And mm. I won't accept that, so we've got vision and white vision, because that just makes sense. Um, yeah. So when they reveal White Vision, no one was expecting that to be the one that he was going to share probably one of the best scenes in the entire show with. And yet. <laughs> right. Before I forget to mention again, yeah, that scene in the last episode where um, so White they Right. So the expectation was they show in like clips that, um, that uh, the director Hayward shows to Monica Rambeau. It seems, or at least he plays it up, that basically Wanda broke into the sword facility slightly after the end of Endgame where they were experimenting on the corpse of Vision. Um, and it made it seem like she basically just put all that stuff in a duffel bag and fucked off to New Jersey. Um, and it's later revealed that that wasn't really what happened. The Vision we're seeing on screen, the normal Vision, is just a construct of Wanda. She has just made that happen. Um, the, the pieces are still in Sword HQ, they're just waiting for something to come out of this hexy thing in the magic that's all around to kind of use that to you know, revive this vision. It won't be the same one because obviously it has got the Mind Stone, but sword, sentient weapon, yada yada, want it because it's the most you know brilliant weapon that's ever been invented. And they have a fight. I'm only bringing this up now. It's a bit preemptive, but um, they basically have a fight of the mind at some point. And I don't mean like Jean Grey versus Professor X. They literally <laughs> have like a philosophical debate. And Vision brings up uh, the Theseus's ship um, thought experiment of, you know, they've got this ship, this old, old wooden ship, and they have to replace the wood every so often because of rot and put new wood in. At which point does it stop becoming Theseus's boat and just a new thing? But I was like, a little bit of me wanted British Paul Bettany to go, 
Have you ever heard of Trigger's Broom? <laughs> it's had 14 new heads and 16 new handles in its time. So that's what I really wanted to happen. But... <laughs> and for anybody who didn't grow up with British sitcom, have you ever heard of the Sugar Babes? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but they're, all, they're all on the same intellectual level. Uh, anyway, um, God, where were we? Uh, we haven't even mentioned the kids yet. We have well, we did <laughs> before the spoilers. I may have accidentally mentioned the kids slightly, but uh, yeah, um, Tommy and Billy. I want to say Billy. Yeah, um, Speed and Wiccan are here. Yep. Uh, and uh, well, so again, because this vision is a construct of Wanda, it's basically a construct of the Mind Stone that lives within her. Um, they then can get pregnant now. She can create babies. Um, and we get the kids. They are babies, but then they basically choose to basically grow up by themselves. Mm. They can just choose to jump forward, um, and they get to, I think, they're pitched about, what, 10, you'd say, 10, yeah, 12. Yeah, I'd have said so. And they have powers. So he, um, Billy has, uh, wait, which one's which? I believe uh, that Billy is, uh, is Billy Wiccan, I think? I think Billy's Wiccan, yeah. So Billy has all the powers of um that his mom has like less so but has like telekinesis tele um telepathy etc whereas um tommy is just quicksilver 2.0 he's just fast yep um these are characters they are starting to feed a lot of characters in place for young avengers yeah you know, kate bishop's coming in the hawkeye series um they've recast stature um who is ant-man's uh daughter to be um what's her face from detective pikachu uh yes her um oh uh, god uh catherine newton yes that's her boom i watched her in a uh a netflix show and a netflix movie the other day that was really good it's basically romantic comedy groundhog day it was pretty good hmm. um haven't, anyway haven't we been um, confirmed to be getting america chavez at some point as well yes sure we have she's in i feel like she's in doctor strange is she she's gonna be doctor Str- yeah i think oh. so i think the america chavez is going to be in doctor strange too um, so yeah, they're seeding a lot of the young Avengers. If Isaiah Bradley turns up in um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we got them all, baby. Oh God, you are go. right. Yeah. Um, oh, oh God, it's that one that's like X O C H I T L as the first name. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Her Gomez as America Chavez. Yeah. So that plus we know uh, Miss Marvel Kamala Khan's coming, and that's just an easy fit for the young Avengers. So. They're seeding a lot of that, and this is a good way to introduce them, I think. Uh, obviously, if they do turn up in some which way, which we'll get to in a second, they're going to have to be aged up slightly, I would have thought. But mm. we'll see. anyway, they've shown to be, be able to rapidly grow faster than like even clone troopers, so good for them. Um, it's not too much of a jump to they're just age them up again. But yeah, I think they did both of them did a pretty good job, uh, the two kid actors they got, particularly the one they got to play uh billy i think he does a really good job because in the malcolm in the middle episode he's the one doing most of the talking to camera um so well done on marvel for finding good kid actors we know that's not the easiest thing to do in the world but good job yeah it really isn't the easiest thing in the world good god it's so many pitfalls you can fall down with that but uh yeah did a pretty good job overall um cool i think we've talked about everything i just want to say that the the um elizabeth olsen's ability to do an amazing um, Claire Dunphy impression for the Modern Family episode is kind of unsettling <laughs> a little bit. She fits that mould so well. It's really shocking. It's it, that, I think that's 
another thing that you know we already talked about um elizabeth olsen's range but but being in the 50s episode very lucille ball compared to mm. what was the name of the woman from modern family again uh claire dumphy yeah to be to be claire dumphy in a nine episode span that's that's something that's really something that's really good uh right shall we get to the business end of things as in the bit that happened at the very end well the well the Agatha all along. So the one theory everyone did get right. I mean, it was pretty obvious. She is. Um, Catherine Harm is playing uh, Agatha Harkness from the comic books, who's part of the um, part of quite a few Wonder uh, stories back uh, in the comic books. She has been. Well, it's basically it comes out that like everyone was expecting there to be someone who's either controlling Wonder or is egging Wonder on. She's kind of just like a happenstance like interloper. She is a witch. She is like, which for a second I was like, witches in Marvel? I'm like, what is Doctor Strange if not a very advanced witch? So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really shouldn't have like questioned that as much as I did for a second. Um, so she's literally from Salem that time, like Puritan times. Um, and she's just been around. Her thing is she can steal other people's magic. And she saw what Wanda was able to do. Like, almost kind of not like through a lot of concentration or real effort. She just got really sad that she went to the plot of land that Vision had brought for them to have a home after, well, presumably after they have to be on the run when they want to retire and have a family. He brought a plot of land to build a house on. She's so sad at this point, having just seen his corpse and having, like, you know, touching the the Vision's head and going, well, you're not waking up anytime soon. I'm paraphrasing. Um you dead um <laughs> she goes there and then just unleashes all of this stuff in one go no real finesse no real concentration she just boom creates life visions back and this entire town is walked back to the 50s she just like feels that i guess it's never really explained how she ends up in this place but she finds out and just like well i need to go and find out what's happening i need some of that juju for myself um well it's explained that she knows what chaos magic is and mm. she she having noticed that there is a magic user within the hex goes to be basically confirm what her bias of what she already knows is that one of Maximoff is the Scarlet Witch. And they, I think I might be wrong, but I think this is where we deviate from the books, because I don't believe that the Scarlet Witch is considered to be this level of a deity in the books. I think it is very much just a title there. What they have tried to do here is flesh it out a bit more. Is there's almost like a prophecy for her? Is that is that right? I don't know. Yeah, I I don't. Th- I think you're right in terms of it's from the comic books. They're not like Wanda's powerful. Like the whole House of M thing shows that. But no, she's not like this. Like prophesized about because um, Agatha Harkness basically goes there is an entire chapter on you in the Darkhold. Um, <laughs> a- so... Another thing that was yeeted from Agents of Shield. Yep, we are. We literally finished watching the finale of WandaVision and turned on season four of Enter Shield, where they're talking about the Darkhold. And I had to go, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And it's, de- I mean, you can have more than one copy of a book, I guess. So maybe that's the way they get around it. That they just had, you know, this is, oh, oh this is like the first edition. You have a seventh edition there. Cool. Do I need um, to crack out my Thor impression again to do the your ancestors called it magic like that nonsense? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty decent michael well done um <laughs> you said exactly that the first time i did it it continues to be pretty decent um <laughs> see they basically go like you're the she basically finally gives her the name we've all been calling her the scarlet look which despite the fact she's 
never been called that, and she has now been anointed as that. This is not like it's basically confirmed. You are not like born of the Mind Stone. That may have accelerated things, but you've had this power since birth. Like they show the um, Stark shell come through the roof. Real quick on that. In episode eight, which is basically like a revision episode, um, they go on a bit of a vision quest um, through previous stuff in Wanda's life. And we see, like, you know, the first time she came in contact with the Mind Stone when Hydra was experimenting on her. Uh, a scene with Vision, which has the line that everyone's really annoyed at for some reason. Um, what? What is love? What What is grief but love persevering? Which I thought was quite nice, but everyone's like, ugh. I think people didn't want, for some reason, even though it's based on sitcoms, which can be very schmaltzy, they didn't want schmaltz. I was like, this fits this version of Vision quite well. Like, it, yeah. it, well, even though it, well, I guess it was a flashback, so it is the version of Vision that actually lived. But I thought it was quite a nice little line. I, I can see it. The thing is, if you write that line out in cursive and print it on a wall, you think whoever lives there's a cunt. But, <laughs> <laughs> however, I think in the context of the show, it was quite nice. <laughs> it, is, it has got big l- um, laugh, live, love uh, energy coming from that. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, but I, I just want to talk about the first flashback we have, which is um, in Sokovia with the with Wanda and Pietro's parents. So it, it is a little bit of a retcon because I believe in Age of Ultron to say they were sat around the kitchen table when yeah, the missile hit that um, killed their parents and made uh, Pietro and Wanda have to hide for a few days because mm. a dark shell landed and didn't detonate. So it's kind of um, like uh, removing that and kind of recontextualizing it that they weren't at the dinner table. They were watching sitcoms because Wanda's a big fan and that kind of explains why she did the aesthetic she went with which is weird it's It's weird that they also do a kitchen table vibe um the first time that that in the very first episode the first commercial they show is for a stark industries toaster um Mm. and the only color that comes into that episode is there is a red light on it um so they very much they they understand what they're doing they've rewritten this to serve this series but like i i I don't mind it to be honest the only thing i minded (laughs) was so when the dad comes back with the, the DVDs and stuff, the mom goes over to the window and like shifts the curtains a little bit, looks out, and there are literally people on the street below, like, like, an, like a second or third floor like flat. She looks out to the building. The street's on fire and there's people shooting each other. But <laughs> they're completely chill. I'm like, you are bad parents. Why have you not got yourself out of that situation? I don't feel I could settle down to watch Parks and Rec if a civil war was happening in Coesley outside. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't feel, that, that made me laugh more than it was meant to. Like, move. It, it seems like it's like a scene out of like Bottom where like they're having the stupid argument in the flat and yet for some reason war is going on outside. Right? Like, I, 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 anyway, so... Although, they... that was only the second most unbelievable thing about that scene. The first most unbelievable bit about that scene, and the thing that completely broke my immersion, was that the dad came home with a sack full of DVDs, and not once did I hear, you wouldn't steal a car! Like, that never came up! You wouldn't steal a policeman's helmet. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, you wouldn't escape a civil war. <laughs> you wouldn't relocate when it was necessary to. <laughs> um, oh, I can't remember the point I was trying to make. Oh, right. So, <laughs> Sorry, I'm still so, laughing about Marvel-related things you could put into the anti-piracy thing. It's like, you wouldn't assassinate the leader of Wakanda. Dun, 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 dun. You wouldn't kill Tony Stark's mom. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> you wouldn't aim for the head, Beauty. <laughs> right. Anyway, shell lands. Parents dead. Pietro and Wanda get under the bed, and the Stark shell that doesn't explode lands. But in every retelling we've had, it's like luck that it just—it was a faulty bomb. But she literally puts her hand out and uses probability magic to stop it from blowing up. So she is. Well, this thing I initially went. So she's a mutant then. Cool. But it's kind of implied that no, she's just basically, she's a prophesized witch. She's not necessarily a mutant. Because we haven't had mutants, we don't really know what constitutes being a mutant and what doesn't. So it's left open to interpretation. But yeah, she, she's been this way from birth and the mind show and basically just gave her a kick in her power levels. So that's pretty neat. That's pretty cool that the, like, she wasn't just random that she's had this pair all along and probably would always have ended up like this, even without the experimentation needed um, for that. So that's pretty cool. That's some revisionist history that I can get on board with. Yeah, I, I liked it, but they are so scared of the M word, aren't they? That they cannot commit. They, the, You've got uh, the license, guys. Go ahead. I know. Do it. See, my, 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 my Mephisto ship to go down with was... At the end of this series, she's gonna something's gonna happen. You know, the vision's gonna get the the made up vision she's got is gonna be killed by the white vision. The kids are gonna be taken by Agatha and like destroyed or whatever. That Wanda was then because she can be shown to expand the hex. Um, there's a part where she um, she um, there's an incursion. Um, and the director Haywood is trying to get in there. Um, Monica does get in there and gets booted out, um, which is basically a shorthanded way of explaining why she now has powers, why she turns into Photon um, for the last couple of episodes, which is pretty neat. But I I think they might be setting her up to be a mutant because this is a quick divergent. She's the first one. She's the first external person to go into the hex. She gets pulled into it, basically, when she's examining it. She touches it and it just pulls her in. Um, she then gets shoved out by Wanda when she's revealed to be a double agent by mentioning Ultron. She literally gets, like, powered through the fourth wall, and out she goes. And they examine her, they do her, like, test, because, you know, she's just gone through this traumatic event. And they say, like, your basically your body is now pure light. Your cells are just, like, hypersensitive to light, basically. She then goes back in, and in powering her way through the uh, the hex... She becomes photon. She can now like see ultraviolet light, and she she's got vague powers for now. They'll flesh them out eventually, I guess. But a lot of people have now gone into that hex because, like I said, at one point uh, Wanda comes outside the hex, is annoyed that a drone was sent in to kill her, recovers her accent, which I actually thought was a nice touch that she doesn't have the Sokovian accent in the hex. She just speaks like Elizabeth Olsen. But then when she comes back to the real world, it's back. That's pretty nice. Mm. Anyway, she's so annoyed that she basically goes back into the hex and expands it a little bit. Um, 
I've just got that completely wrong. She expands it because Vision's managed to get himself outside. Either way, she's shown to be able to expand this hex. My big thing, my big theory was, well, she's just going to get to the last episode and she's going to expand it around the world. And in much in the same way that it kick-started Monica's powers, because like I said, a lot of people go into that hex, they've now come out. If they don't have powers, that means that Monica had something in her that just needed maybe a boost, like Wanda got from the Mind Stone. Mm. I thought she's going to do that over the entire world, and that's how we get mutants. Wanda just basically expands this hex worldwide before it dissipates, and everyone who has the X gene becomes a mutant. That didn't happen, because you're right, they're so scared of the M-word that they're still not quite ready to do it yet. They're really not, and there was they presented a perfect opportunity to do that. Um I think this is going to get explained away by the fact that Monica is the only person who went through it three or four times, whereas most people went in it and then only got out when the hex was destroyed. So, yeah, because it's very much like the residents of Westview were were taken in and then they had to wait until episode nine to get out. Um, Darcy went in and again had to wait until episode nine to get out. Monica went in, like, around the time of episode one, got booted back out by the time of episode three, and then went back in for episode six or seven, and then came out again when it was destroyed. And then she did the hokey pokey, and she (laughs) turned around. She did. that, really, is what it was all about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it works too well. Uh, (laughs) I will say, so real quick on Monica... I feel really bad. Like, she did nothing in that last episode. Oh, she was so sidelined. She was put in a room with Evan Peters to go, listen, now you need to deliver the big joke. And that was it. Yeah, yeah. They they built her up and her last contribution was she kind of catches a bullet with her new vague powers and uh, she gets to meet a scroll. Cool. Um, but that, that that's about it. They really built... I thought she'd have a much bigger part to play than that. But yeah, it's kind of... She fizzles out early. I still liked her as a character overall, but yeah, she really doesn't have the impact on the last episode you'd hope for. Wasn't even the same scroll she met in the 90s. That would have been a cool thing to do, and they didn't even do that. Well, they kept mentioning that she had a friend that they were going to go to to kind of get like a Trojan horse to get into the hex. I thought, well, that's definitely going to be the scroll from when she was a kid, right? Like, cause <laughs> People thought that, that was going to be Reed Richards. <laughs> well, Why? I did see that, do you know, there's that bit in the the american office because obviously everyone thinks john krasinski is going to be reed richards there's he pulls that prank in the show where um uh what's his name oh no uh bear with me just a second where randall park like turns up and pretends to be jim halpert in the office to oh, right. like confuse dwight and they've like photoshopped randall park on all the pictures of john krasinski and someone made the joke of like well, John Krasinski's already in one division. What are you talking about? There he is. <laughs> um, which was nice. But yeah, why Why on earth would that be how you debut Reed Richard, you idiots? Like, surely to God, they were, they weren't, they didn't genuinely believe that was going to be the introduction to Reed Richard, right? No, I mean, this had about as much possibility as happening as what I, like, half an hour before I watched it. I literally, I think I was, um, I must have been talking to my wife or something. And I said, how cool would it be if this is how they set up Spider-Man? And it's just like the last person you see, like, and again, I knew this was not going to happen. I'm not saying that I thought this would happen. I was disappointed it didn't. But I I was like, imagine if it is, it is actually dimensional fuckery. By the way, it wasn't dimensional fuckery. And like, Mm. 
the citizens of Westview being evacuated, but there's one extra dude, and he and he and he's like, "Sir, is everything okay?" Hand on the shoulder, turns around. It's Toby fucking Maguire. I'm like that would have been cool, but like, <laughs> wasn't gonna happen, was it? That's not what they're gonna do. No, I, I think that's the point I want to make about the finale. Um, so basically, yeah, it was like for all along. They have a big magic fight. It kind of turns more into like the MCU we expect at that point. And I, I'm not saying that kind of like it takes away a little bit of the special source that was going throughout the rest of the show when they actually have to like make it an MCU movie. Basically, it's still good. Don't get me wrong, but lacks a little special something. Um, and of course, Agatha is defeated. She's not killed. Crucially, they Wanda makes a point of leaving her alive. Um, basically, she's locked. She's the only one that keeps in the reality. She's now going to live in Westview as the nosy neighbor Agnes for the rest of her days. So. Is that a fate worse than death? Who knows? Um, they a lot of people are disappointed because it, it didn't have that kind of big reveal of like this earth like game changing thing that happens, like the multiverse being created, mutants being created. It was Mephisto. Here's Doctor Strange to say you've been in a pocket dimension, etc. It kind of has a much more low key ending than that. I think uh, that was kind sorry. of okay. That. <laughs> uh, uh... I, I was okay with that because it is a TV show. The problem we're going to have going forward is you can't presume that everyone who watches the MC Moon movies and will routinely watch all of them is also watching the Disney Plus TV shows. So as much as I would have loved to have seen like game-changing stuff happen in this, it can't have too much of an impact on Doctor Strange and Spider-Man because there's people who aren't going to watch this and you can't then deny them a lot of information that will be key to enjoying and understanding those movies just because they haven't chose to watch a subscription TV show. Yeah, this is very much the thing. And if you take the um, the words of like Feige and other people like involved in the production of these series and these movies and take it as read that this mini trilogy goes WandaVision, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, they ain't going to do the third act reveals in act one, are they? Like, just no. think of structure. That's not going to happen. Plus, like, well, this is the thing. I feel like because of the, the characters involved, because you have got Scarlet Witch, who now is, like, you know, shown to be incredibly powerful. Agnes even says at one point, you are stronger than the Sorcerer Supreme. So that's a taste of the nookie going forward. Mm. But... Because of all those powers that we have. But it was great to see her in Scarlet Witch attire. Oh, the way that they put her in the costume is so fucking cool. It was so yeah, she's good. Got head, she's got the head thing and it's... Oh, um, I, did, I did love the Vision Halloween costume. That was... <laughs> that was something else. In fact, all of the Halloween costumes were great. And the way that they con contextualised them as like the comics accurate uh, Scarlet Witch costume is a Sokovian fortune teller. And yeah. uh, what was it? Isn't it like the Vision's like a Lucha Libre wrestler? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and Quicksilver's just Quicksilver. Um, yeah. Um, so, oh my God, where was I going? So, yeah, they 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 set up a lot of stuff that could have been game changing in this, and ultimately don't. I mean, like, I'm not expecting Falcon and the Winter Soldier to change a whole lot. Plus. Like, they've come out with the big guns here of, like, well, we've got the Scarlet Witch in this one, we've got Falcon and the Winter Soldier in this one, we know Secret Invasion's going to have Nick Fury in it, but then it's, like, new characters. Those really can't afford to be all that impactful on the MCU, because uh, even people that, you know, came on Disney Plus was like, oh, I, I, I know who the Scarlet Witch and Vision are, I'm going to watch this. 
aren't necessarily going to have the same level of enthusiasm for Moon Knight and She-Hulk. You know, like, I mean, mm. I imagine Mark Ruffalo's going to be in She-Hulk, so I guess you have that. But who's going to be in, like, um, who's going to be in Moon Knight? Who's going to be in Miss Marvel? Who's going to be in, if they get round to it, Nova and stuff like that? Like, uh, they, they've got to tamper expectations. And I, I think past this one, I think it'll be easier to digest. Like, these are fun. They can add some context to future movies, but nothing, you know, that you couldn't enjoy that movie with having to have watched this show i guess because then that really is obnoxious they are asking too much it's already a lot to make people watch what 20 other movies to understand what the hell's happening in infinity war and endgame they can't afford to then have the tv shows be as connected but i mean netflix shows that they can still be good even if they aren't necessarily all that important to the bigger story going on in the movies it's interesting to look at what the structure looks like going forward because wandavision is very much being handled and again, we've talked about this as being developed for television because it's a nine episode series that apes television from different eras. But you look at the other big projects they've got coming up. The next two that are coming out this year, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, reduce that episode count from nine to six because they are basically elongated movies. However, She-Hulk, 10 episodes. Secret Invasion, elongated movie. It's six episodes because we've got returning characters. Hawkeye, we don't know yet. Miss Marvel, I imagine, is going to be on the longer side because it's a new character. Although Moon Knight is only going to be six episodes as well, which says to me that WandaVision is very much the hook to get people in. So that the more expensive shows that require the bigger talents, the more expensive people run for less episodes because Tom Hiddleston needs paying. That's why he's only doing six episodes, yeah. which kind of gives credence to Moon Knight actually being Oscar Isaacs. I hope that happens because that would be dope as hell. Uh, but, you know, Oscar Isaacs does not get the same paycheck as Tatiana uh, Maslany, who's playing She-Hulk. So, you know, but Secret Invasion's got to pay for Ben Mendo and fucking Nick Fury. So... <laughs> That's only six episodes, although that's the series where I fit, um, I've read the um, rumours that uh, that's where we're going to get Photon turning up again. So she's going to be Captain Marvel 2 and then Secret Invasion. I'm all down for that. That sounds fucking dope. Lovely. But, um, so real quick, um, kind of on the ending. Um, oh, in yeah. The end, she defeats Act for Hartness, but kind of accepts like. I can't hold a whole town hostage just to have you and the kids. So. <laughs> My advice is to free us or let us die. <laughs> That's almost a direct quote. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, one of the residents of Westview is like, let us die. I'm like, fuck, dude. <laughs> Was it that bad? Like, I know, they did say, like, whenever we go to sleep, we get your nightmares. Which, again, some people thought, okay, if it's not Mephisto... It's Nightmare. Mm. That's how we can tie it into Doctor Strange. But again, throw that in the trash. Um, so she she starts shrinking the hex and she basically has a, a really sad goodbye to the boys. And there's a really, really nice scene between her and the Vision of kind of, you know, accepting their fate, accepting that, you know, they're cursed, basically. They're never going to be able to be together. But he does leave it off on a note of like, well, at one point I was just a fragment of a Mind Stone. Then I was a memory then I was this. So who knows what I'll be next? Like, we've said goodbye before. Hopefully we'll say hello again. So that was quite nice. And I mean, they do leave it open because White Vision has all the memories now because Vision, like, taps him and reboots everything. He's still not got the soul, I guess, but Vision in, like, a beta form 
is out there somewhere. They yeah. definitively didn't kill him off, so... I mean, the the, des- the design of White Vision was pulled from the books when they had to rebuild Vision, um, and that was the version of Vision that had no memories. So they very much uh, pulled straight from the source material with that one. But they've left the door open, which is something that they've done for the kids as well. Yeah, so Wanda gets hold of the of the dark hold and the last the very last scene we see because we also get the mid credit scene with uh monica meeting a scroll agent who basically says you go into the big spaceship we saw uh nick fury on at the end of spider-man yep um so the last episode is they they go into like a like somewhere in the wilderness basically in like mountain ranges one's in a little house by herself she like on the outside looks pretty calm she's living a simple life um but then we go in and we see that she's done the astral projection thing that dr strange does and the astral projection is just powering through the Darkhold. It's just occurred to me that that kind of shows that she is stronger than, well, in some ways stronger than the Sorcerer Supreme, because obviously whenever Doctor Strange does that, he can't be in both places at once. Yeah, he's asleep she... when he does that, whereas she's yeah. she's still powering through her day whilst also reading through that book like a motherfucker. She's, and, and that's the question, is that which is... Which uh, which version is it that is that is her? Is she projecting the the kind of the simple life version of Wanda as a failsafe, as kind of like a deterrent of like, don't worry, Wanda's not a threat, mm. or is Wanda just going about a day whilst her ghost is doing all the work? Which is it? We don't know. She's that powerful. Either way, she is devouring through the dark hole, and she basically looks up, starts casting a spell, and we hear um, Billy and oh, I forgot the other name now. Tommy. Uh, Billy and Tommy, like, we hear Billy and Tommy saying, like, Mom! So their souls are still out there, I guess. Which, again, leaves the door open for Young Avengers for these two to come in. Um, and for cool. more, and so, for House of M, for basically doing more with yeah. Wanda. Exactly. So I don't think this leads to a WandaVision 2. I think we'll get all of that wrapped up. We'll, we'll, I think we'll touch on it in Spider-Man. I feel like they're, they're making Spider-Man part of that trilogy as a means to an end to create a Spider-Verse one. I see it being much yeah. more of a this Wonder Vision and Doctor Strange are the two that are linked, and it's just nice that it leaves the door open for us to have Tobey Maguire in Spider Man. So <laughs> it's like we, we literally just wanted to do, to have some fun cameos, therefore it's part of this uh, this uh, dimension fuckery trilogy. Exactly. So cool. So maybe that's what she's, she'll she'll go through the multiverse to kind of get her kids, and that will mess things up. And Doctor Strange has got to come in and do it because this show as much as it had the opportunity to do, does not go out of the way to make Wanda the Vision. She's kind of played as a shade of grey, of like, yes, she's keeping all these people hostage, but she feels like she was providing a happy life for them. There's no heel turn, which a lot of people were banking on, of like setting her up to be a villain. That's not really the vibe they go for here. She's just someone who's using the powers that she has to try and deal with grief, a lot of it, and it isn't really like going that well. Not through like malicious means she's just trying to make a better life for herself and good that means the character it's more interesting in a way they just made her a bad guy i feel like it's just inevitably going to get wrapped up in doctor strange like oh wait no i've changed my mind i'm good again that's not interesting leaving it in this kind of you know shade of gray area that's interesting going forward it is and it may not be the ending that people wanted but it certainly leaves the door open for a lot of interesting possibilities and what we have to remember is this is the first stage of phase four this is not supposed to be resolutions it's not supposed to be the big reveal it's the start we've had it we've had a year out thanks to 
to, to things beyond our control. And this is very much the beginning of this franchise all over again. Although still keeping in mind the last 10 years. But you, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Exactly. Right. I think that's everything I wanted to talk about. No, I think I'm, I'm good. Uh, I think what well, all that's left to say is we will see you. Well, we won't see you in two weeks for... <laughs> For Falcon of the Winter Soldier, we're not reviewing that week to week. I won't be here all fucking t- all the time. We don't want that. But Falcon of the Winter Soldier will start in two weeks on March the nineteenth. Um, that's looking to be re- finished up by the end of April. So that is when we're going to get our next Marvel review. So two full series before the first Phase Four movie with Black Widow, if that indeed does release. Um, but we'll find out. Again, Loki's now been given a starting date of June the 11th. So a lot of Marvel stuff coming out in a short amount of time. And they still want to crank out What If, Miss Marvel and Hawkeye this year. I don't see that all happening, frankly, but we'll soon see. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. Shall I plug away? Go for it. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and at that Mike O, and you can find Darren on Twitter and Instagram and at the Guttridge. You can find the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the username Fowley and T. That's F O U L E N T. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you can pick up an RSS feed under the username Fowley and T or Fowley and T Podcast, depending on the service you're using. And of course, go to foulentertainment.com for more podcasts and more articles from your favourite boys. That'll do us for this episode of Popscorn. We're back. Uh, Popscorn's happening Ooh. again. It's a fun. It, movies are getting released. I like this. It, it's good. If if enough shit comes out this year, we may have our 100th episode this year, and I'm very excited for that. Uh, there will be a, a oh, quite the celebration for that. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. We have got some episodes coming up as well. We got a Simpsons pitch episode coming up very soon. Uh, we got some Pokemon stuff in the uh, pipeline as well. We're well, actually, said, yeah. we'll actually release the Netflix uh, pitch episode as well because it turns out we didn't do that. Yeah, we completely forgot that we still have one in the bag. Um, so we'll get ready to that as well. Um, so yeah, all that and more coming up on Entertainment very soon. And you can find us there with more stuff. Bye, everybody. Bye.